Oh, yeah. Okay, recording is in progress. Got it, man. Uh, <laughs> Got hi it. to Dave. Didn't get a chance to mention. Glad to see him with us today as well. Thank you. Uh, we're going to pick it up in James chapter four. I I hope we get into five today, but I I'm, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we're going to pick it up in verse 13 and recap just a little bit of what we talked about and then finish up with uh, through the rest of this chapter. So in chapter four of James, verses 13 through 17, it says this. Now listen to you say, tomorrow, uh, today or tomorrow, we will go to this city or that city and spend a year there carrying on business and making money. Why do you, why you, don't, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? It is a mist. Uh, it appears for a little while and it vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and does not do it sins. All right. Last week we ended with uh, four reasons that um, uh, doing God's will is, is good for us and that it helps us to It's a growing experience. And I just want to re cap those and then we'll go into uh the the rest of uh discussion of god's will which we will then be talking about um what are the benefits of doing god's will first we'll just recap if you will uh the fact that doing god's will is a growing experience remember we're told the very first thing we mentioned is we're told that we we know his will knowing his will is one thing it, but doing it is a whole nother thing. We want to make sure that we just not only know his will, but that we also are doing it. So we know that his, knowing his will is important. It's the first part. Uh, Colossians tells us in, in chapter one, verse nine, it says to be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. God wants us to understand his will. Um, in Ephesians five seventeen, it says, therefore, do not uh, do not be foolish, but understand what God's will is. Um, you, you know, a, a friend can, a child can know the will of his father, but he may not understand his will. You know, uh, a, a child wants to know what and why. Um, Jesus says that, you know, as his friends, you have the privilege of knowing why. Uh, you know, it, it says in, in Psalm 130, uh, 103, verse 7, it says, He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. So God wants us to understand and to know, not only just know, but know why. So it's important we understand that. We must prove God's will. Uh, Romans 12, 2 talks about the fact, Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, is good and pleasing and perfect will. Uh, that idea of prove, uh, or, you know, the idea of is that we'll be able to approve, it means to do it based upon experience. The fact that we experience God's will, uh, that, we, uh, that, that we prove it, we know that he's good. We know that he's trying to work out, not only trying, but he is going to work out the way that make it, makes it best for us. Remember, his goal for all of us is what? What's his goal for every one of us? Silence. To know him. To know him and to become like, like him. him. Right? To become like Christ. That's God's plan for all of us. Now, how, he, how we arrive at that might be a different path for each of us because each of us 
have had different experiences, live in different areas, have had uh, different set of circumstances. And so in order for us to get from point A to point B, uh, some of us take a shorter route, some of us take a longer route, some of us are really slow at picking up God's will, myself included. And remember, it isn't the still small voice, it isn't the gentle nudge, it isn't the shove, it isn't until God hits me with the two by four, I finally go, oh, is that what you wanted me to do? So you're not alone if you happen to be like that. If you're better than me are, than I am, praise the Lord. I'm glad you don't have to go through all the issues that I've had to go through over my life. But God wants us to prove. He, he, he says that his, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Doing God's will is easy. It's just that we don't ever want to do it. Easy does not always mean that it's comfortable. You know, when I know God's will. Finally, we need to know that we, need to, we must do God's will from our heart, not just because we have to, but because we want to. Ephesians 6, 6, obey them, uh, not only to win their favor, it's talking about employers, when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Now, by the way, we haven't mentioned this today, but we'll, we'll just reiterate very quickly that God is not going to reveal his will to you in a long-range plan. He's not going to lay it out to you in, in a ten-part step, ten steps, and here's what you have to do. He's going to give you the first step, and once you've obeyed, been obedient to that, he's going to reveal the next one. The problem we often have in trying to discern God's will is that we never bother to do what we already know to do. If, if some, you know, Have you ever been in a situation where you're so excited to do something you missed the first couple of steps and try to jump ahead? Does that ever work out well? Like, like you're putting together something you've got, you know, maybe it's a toy for your kids for Christmas. Maybe it's, uh, I don't know, maybe it's a, a new uh, uh, project you've got at, uh, at either at work or at home. And, and you go, you look at it, oh, I don't need to do that. I'll jump to step three or step four. And then realize you had to do step one, two, and three before you get to four. And doing step four before you do step one is just a disaster. Okay, no one else has ever experienced that. I'm the only one that does that. Okay. No, the directions are wrong. The directions are wrong, yeah. <laughs> I've had that on occasion. I can remember years ago we bought it uh, back when we were doing worship music, uh, we bought a DX7, which is a Yamaha. It was one of the first really cool, cool synthesizers out there. It had all of the instructions had been written in, in Japanese and then translated in English, but they weren't. You, you know, we talk about translating word for word versus translating with dynamic equivalents. Yeah, those were word for word translations. They didn't make a lick of sense in English. Someone eventually wrote it. Uh, a manual that took the dynamic equivalent of what they were seeing in, in Japanese and translated it into English that made sense for us that were that were a little slow on the uptake on figuring out how to program that machine. It's important that we realize that doing God's will and doing it a step at a time is important. Remember, Jonah was our our example of, of, of a person who does God's will grudgingly. Okay, I'll do it, but I won't have to enjoy it. It didn't turn out so well for him either, right? It's so, it's so strange that uh, if you were to look at it on a theological standpoint, there's nothing about that. It's only about my job, what I have, and my plans. 
you know, in Jonah, it's okay, go and preach. Over here, and it, it looks like there's nothing implicit to it, you know. Hmm. Things that we have under control, I guess. Sure. My, my well, career. We do, yeah, until we right. don't, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, what are the benefits of doing God's work? <laughs> And, and I, I've got five points. There might be more, but there are five that, I, that I've come up with. One of the benefits is that we enjoy a deeper fellowship with Jesus Christ. In Mark 3, 35, it says, Whoever does God's will is my brother and my sister and my mother. Remember, he's talking about, he's talking to all the people, and they say, hey, Jesus, your brothers and sisters and your mom are, are outside. They'd like to talk to you. And he says, Whoever does God's will is my mother and my is my brother is my sister. Another privilege we have is that you have the privilege of knowing God's truth. John seven seventeen. Anyone chooses if anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak of my own. One of the privilege of knowing of doing God's will is that He will help to, help you to know if what you're hearing. When someone speaks from the pulpit or in a Bible class like this, is actually teaching the truth, or whether they're telling you a, a falsehood. So it's a privilege that we, we we get from knowing that. Another thing is we get our our prayers answered. Isn't that cool? You want to know why? Sometimes one of the reasons we don't get our prayers answered is because we're not seeking God's will. We're not following Him. First John five verses fourteen and fifteen says this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, approaching Him in prayer. And if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. It's important that we ask it according to His will. The implication is there when Jesus says that in, in the Gospel, but John makes it really absolutely crystal clear. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of Him. You want to know if you're going to get it? Ask it in His will. You know what my problem often is? I ask for my benefit, not for God's benefit. Well, this would make my life so much easier if God would just give me a million dollars. Okay, the rest of you don't feel that way. I'm glad to know that you're so much more spiritual than I am. You always got to you always got Joe. He's going to give you 450. Don't worry. 450. Okay. Well, if he gives you a I'm, million, he's got to tell you how to spend it. That's right. I, that's I'm investing. Yeah, I'm investing. We give you chapter five. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. yeah, and you can't be like the government where you take a little bit for yourself and then spend the rest on everybody else. A little bit. You take a little bit for the people. <laughs> I have a plan. Well, let's let's, let's, let's move on, guys. Little out. is relative, right? That didn't work out well for Ananias. Yeah, it didn't work out well for Ananias. That's true. Lying is uh, not a good thing to do because you know what God God sees through our lies. It, it didn't work out well for Solomon either. <laughs> well, yeah, there were a lot of things that didn't work out well for him. But at the end of the day, at least do what he needed to do to obey God because what he said at the end of Ecclesiastes, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Betty wish it was at the beginning of the day. Yeah. Well, I think he forgot about halfway through his life, something like that. The fourth benefit is this. There's an eternal quality to life and work that works if one is doing God's will. In John, 1 John 2, uh, 15 through 17 says, 
do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of a sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasts and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. I like the King James because it was easy for me to remember. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the, uh, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And it says the, the, the world and its desires pass away, but a man who does the will of God lives forever. The last, uh, the last benefit I, that I found is this. There is an expectation of a reward at the return of Christ. You do God's will. God says that I'll reward you. Matthew 25, verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. That's pretty interesting. How many of you would like to have a kingdom prepared for you? Be nice to have that happen. But by the way, there are three attitudes I think that we look at. We can look at here about: uh, Do you have that you have towards the will of God? Do, do you totally ignore God's will as you make your plans for your day or for the decisions you need to make? Are you, are you ignoring God's will, and just making your own plans? That's one possibility. Another possibility is, do you know God's will and yet refuse to obey it? That's another possibility. You know what God wants you to do, and you just choose not to do it. The third possibility is this, and uh, is a person who knows and loves and obeys God's will, and, and therefore, as a result of that, he enjoys God's blessing. I've got to believe that if we do the third one, that our life, although it might be difficult, is more blessed, more peaceful, and, and we end up being happier as a result of doing God's will. Psalm 40, verse 8 says, I desire to do your will, O, o my God. Your law is within my heart. Jesus says in John 4, 34, he says, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. What do you think? Does that, does that make you less hungry? There's something about being spiritually fed that is satisfying. And as a result of that, there are times when you're spiritually fed and full, you might be able to go without a physical meal. We call that what? Silence today. We call it fasting. Yeah, good, Jan. Thanks. At least someone got it. What did so, you say it was? Fasting. fasting. Oh, fasting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who wants to do that, right? I know. If you look at me, it doesn't look like I've missed many meals. I understand. <laughs> Every once in a while. I, you know what, what often amazes me is that uh, I'll eat the same meal that someone else does, and sometimes they're much hungrier than I am later, and other times I'm much hungrier than they are later. I don't know if that has anything to do with God's will or not. Just maybe just my metabolism. I don't know. You know, it, when it comes to doing God's will or, or the plans that we have for life, it, we tend to boast and brag about it. And all such boasting is evil. Anyone who knows to do good and doesn't do it, we'd say that that's sin. Uh, as it is, you boast and brag. And all it says in the NIV, it says all such boasting is evil. Uh, Thomas Akempis said 
that man proposes, but God disposes. A, a more modern person says, uh, you know, man plans and God laughs. I don't know who first said that, but there's a certain amount of truth to that, isn't there? Proverbs 16.33, I've talked about this in the past. A lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is the Lord's. Man, you, can, can we control our future? Show of hands to anybody that's controlling their future. Okay. We can have an impact on it. We can have an impact, but can we take, can we control it? No. No, no. It, you know, it's like going through a dark jungle without a map or a stormy sea without a compass. Sometimes we try to, we try to ignore God's will. And the result of that is that we get lost. It's uh, funny because I think there's there's times we actually believe we can control our future. <laughs> yeah, that's for right? sure. Yeah. If, well, I, if I plan this, if I do this, if I don't do that, then X, Y, and Z will happen. So I'm in control of that. And so we kind of think we have some control of that, I think, sometimes. Nope. Is, it, is, uh, it the, is it the Invictus? Is that the the, the poem? Is you know, I'm the master of my fate. I'm the master of my soul. Or that. that? But isn't it a? Are we? I mean, conceivably we are because that's what free will is about, right? Yeah. How does that work out when we do our when we go against God's plan? Well, you're assuming you're going against. But what if you're following? Well, just remember this. Remember, we talked about this when we were uh, one of the discussions we had when one of the Gospels, we, we talked about Jesus telling the, the guys after the feeding of the 5,000, he says, hey, I want you to get in a boat. I want you to go across the, 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 the Sea of Galilee, you know, and I'll, I'll meet you there. And he goes up in the mountain to pray. Now, he sends him directly into a path of a storm. He's doing it. They're doing exactly what God told him to do, right? what Jesus told him to do. And he sends him into the path of a storm. Is that, does that make sense? God it did. He wanted to teach him something about trusting him. Being Sometimes being obedient does not mean that you don't, you don't have a, a, a storm that you have to go through. It just means that you go through the storm, someone's going to be with you. Who, who, came, who came walking by at, at that time in I the middle think, of the storm? Uh, Jesus. I have the name of Jesus? Yeah. I think obedience only makes sense in hindsight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I, I think you're right. I think I think you know uh, uh, hindsight is always twenty twenty. Oh, I should have right. done this. Oh, I did this. That was good. Well, I, yeah, I mean, if you're plan. if you're obedient to God and you didn't understand the plan, and then you look back and go, oh, well, there you are. Oh, is that, that what you sense. wanted me to do? Is that why you yeah. did? This? Well, I'm glad we're over here now. Yeah. A swimming lesson will have helped, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I always, I, I always find it fascinating when we talk about plans, because that usually references time. And I always understand God doesn't have a reference of time, right? Yeah. Well, you, know, you, you have a God who is eternally now, and you have us on a linear plane. And yeah, I know. God, is, God intersects any time within this linear plane. He's always eternally now. That's why he knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. It doesn't matter. It's all the same to him. Yeah. Yeah. How he works out with free will, I don't know other than the fact that he says we have it. 
But he also oh. knows. Yeah. Well, I don't think he adopts to our, just because there's no time, I don't think he adopts to our free will. I think he already knew what we were going to do. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't think it, I don't think anything catches, you think anything catches God by surprise? Not yet. <laughs> yeah, you know, like he walks away for a cup of coffee, has a coffee break, comes back and he goes, I can't believe what you guys did while I was gone. I I don't know. I think, you know, I think oh, you that think he, he, um, you could be surprised. I, I don't know if he'd necessarily be surprised, but I think he always knows the possibility of all the different outcomes. And oh, I think he, he ends up being very disappointed in me many times. Yeah, I, I think I think so too. And and you you could then say, Thank well, you. if he knew the answer, why would he be disappointed? And I think, you right. know, I don't think necessarily he knows exactly what we're always going to do, but he always knows all the possibilities. We could do this. We could make the right choice, but they might make the bad choice. Either way, his plan is in place for whatever the outcome is. Yeah, I think the, the, the struggle we have is in, in understanding God's God's sovereignty and God's free will is, is something that I'll never be able to figure out. And I if anyone is, can can manage to figure it out and explain it to me, I would be so appreciative of it. Yeah. I think God's I think God's plan for us is for us because like you said, we're on a linear time range. Yeah. You know, and that's really all we should understand about it. We can't predict or see the future. I think God is how God is in control and God allows his free will. I've struggled with all my life. Every time I think I've got it straight, I come up with something that goes, yeah, that doesn't make that just doesn't work. All my explanations other than this, than this. Both are true. Both are in scripture. Therefore, somehow it makes sense to, to us. Remember, we're talking about a God who we use anthropomorphic terms to describe a person who is way beyond us. We are at best a four to, three to four dimensional person. We have three dimensions and we exist in time, which is often considered a fourth dimension. But, you know, string theory proposes that there there could be as many as 11 dimensions. I don't even know how begin to know that. And if God is beyond that, he's got to be at least 12, if there are 11, because God is way beyond anything that we can think of. So how do you, you, you know, when we talk, Dave, when you said, you know, uh, what you were saying, I go, yeah, except that we're trying to explain God in anthropomorphic terms that make sense to us. Yeah. And you're trying to explain something that's way beyond our our capability of even imagining. Right, but I think we were talking in terms more of our relationship, you know, in a relationship sense with him and our in our behaviors and our choices and our free will and what he knows and, and what he doesn't know or doesn't know or he doesn't know. When we start talking about 11 dimensions or 12 dimensions or whatever, that's so far and above and beyond comprehension that um yeah i don't even i don't even know where to begin with that but 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 more back on the relationship side of things again mm -hmm. as far as our relationship with him and the and the master plan that he has in place 
I think one of the great things about his master plan is, is he's taken in all an account of all possibilities. We could mm -hmm. do this, we could do that. Mm -hmm. And that's why grace and mercy and forgiveness are so huge because regardless of what we do, the direction we go, the mistakes we make, you know, our brokenness and our flaws, um, that's why his grace and mercy is so awesome. It just because there's a contingency plan for whatever we decide to do, there's a plan in place. And it's very and it's basically very simple, and that is grace, mercy, and forgiveness. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't make the right choice, you know, we don't follow his will. One day we do, one way day we don't. Like he understands it, he gets it. He doesn't even expect us to to be good at it all the time. Successful at all. Yeah. But, yeah. But when you look at this, though, what Dave just said about doesn't matter what we do, it all seems to be right with God. And one of our goals, or our goal, is to know Him and to be like Him. Mm -hmm. And all you have to do is just think about sometimes or a time that someone has upset you or whatever, and usually it's a family member or someone very close, and how long we hold on to that as being uh, something that we just can't get over in our life. Mm. And mm. it just shows us right away, if we really think about it, how far we are from God and the fact that <laughs> We try to understand what's going on. And, you know, you're talking about 11 dimensions or whatever the case may be. Most of us can't get to a third one. Yeah. And we, it's not about thinking about 11 or five or, or whatever. So I don't know that we need to understand God, but I think we do need to know that he loves and cares for us. Cares. That's that's a good point, James. That's a great point. We need to we need to know that we just need to know God. We don't have to under, totally understand Him. We just need to understand His will for us. Why do you think it is that uh, the will of God we so often we deliberately disobey God's will? Selfish. Selfish. Okay. Yeah. What else might might that be? It doesn't go with our plan. Doesn't go with our plan. Yeah, yeah. I, I come to God with with my plans for my life, and I just say, if you just put your official okie dokie right here, God, I'll get on with my 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 plans for my life because it's so much better than what anyone else could come up with, including you. Right? And that kind of and what what does that amount to? Pride. Yeah, I can um, do it better than God. It's control too. Oh, I can control, control it. And we forget at the same time one of the characteristic of the believer, self-control. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, I also think it doesn't amount to more than a hill of beans. <laughs> you know, it's not relevant. In my, my plan, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Are you saying yeah. My plan Yours and mine. A hill of beans? Yeah. Wow. Mine too. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. You know, the reality, of, here's the reality. Thinking of, of uh, 
Jonah as an example. Doing the will of God is really not an option. It, it ought to be an obligation. It's not something that we can take it or leave it. You know, he's the creator. We're the creation. We're the creatures. His plan is for us to be obedient. By the way, his plan is for us to enjoy it, being obedient. You ever found that? Well, I see that hand, Dave. No, I was waving at somebody. <laughs> Sorry. I, uh, I actually get kind of that question at work often, funny enough. Is okay. why you do? Why are you a Christian? Why do you do whatever God says? And that's a hard one to answer, given the audience. You know what I mean? I, I got mean, a really it, good it, answer. What's with the audience, <laughs> regardless of who the audience is. Oh, good. Okay. It's, it's very simple. It works for anybody and everybody, and that is this. Following Jesus has made my life better and made me better at life. That's, that is my answer often, some variation of that. Yeah, it's why do you do what you do? And I'm like, well, for the joy of it, for the blessing, for the, you know, all of those pieces. So good. I'm glad I'm on the right track. Yeah, it's like, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm telling you my story. Right, which, which is the best way, by the way, to do to, to witness to somebody is just tell them your testimony. Absolutely. What was my life like, and before, and what is my life like now? How has God changed my life and made it a better situation for me? It doesn't mean that in the midst of all the this the struggle and the and the problems we have, it doesn't mean we don't have to deal with that. You know. Um, Yeah, I find sometimes I feel like maybe work is supposed to uh, reinforce my testimony or reinforce my belief more than attack it, you know? Yeah. So I think it's good. I mean, I, I know he's put me in a situation for one reason or another. I'm starting to figure out some of it. But as we know, we don't know the whole plan. Have you ever found that, that your idea of having to obey God is a formula for misery? You know, I get to obey God, and, and the re and the, and the result is that I'm miserable for life. Only no. if I pray for patience. No, never. <laughs> okay, I, I think that sometimes that's the problem is we have a misunderstanding of that. We think that that if we if we have if we end up doing what God wants us to do, we're going to be miserable. And yet, in reality, I think if we do the will of God. We are. We don't have misery, but we have satisfaction. We have peace. We have joy. Shalom. Shalom. Yeah, yeah. That's right. We have the the Hebrew word, which is the fullness <laughs> of life that God wants us to have, which is translated peace, which is so much more than just the absence of war. And isn't it then, therefore, that if that's the truth and the corollary is also true, that disobeying God's will is what leads to misery? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there are two different ways of misery, the one that we created and the one that comes into our lives. Okay. And, I, and, and I, think that's, I think that's the point. 
is that uh, we create most of our misery we create because uh, for whatever reason, when it's not in our will, we forget God's will. Amen. I mean, it, <laughs> and you know, the best thing most oftentimes is to uh, stay silent and observe and then follow as long as it's within that framework of God's uh, of God's follow the direction that he that he leaves for us to follow and more often than not we try to get ahead of it I'm, and maybe I'm just speaking for myself and don't really want to admit it <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, I agree with you I think um Somebody asked me, what is Christianity? And I said, it's kind of a, a resetting of your values to ones that are no longer part of the world, but something of, above and beyond. And it's, and it's very hard. To, it's very hard to do. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, especially when we surround ourselves most of the time, uh, whether we want to or not, we're surrounded in many ways by folks who in one hand say they're Christian and what have you, but their way of following God seems to be um, opposed to our way of following God. And sometimes people provide scripture for you and, and uh, you ask them what it means and they tell you and it doesn't seem to be anywhere close sometimes to what <laughs> you've learned or been taught. So, Yeah, sometimes the hermeneutics are just slightly off, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, at least to, well, at least to us. And, and then we run into that, that judgment. Are they wrong? Are they right? Are they, the, you know, that well, thing? Here's, here's the, here's, you remember, we are told to always, we are allowed to interpret, and, and well, I shouldn't say interpret, we're allowed to inspect others, what others say. You know, remember, Paul commends the Bereans that they just didn't listen to him, but they actually dug into scripture and decided, oh, yeah, what he's saying is true. So it's important we just don't just take everything that somebody tells us and swallow it without, you know, maybe chewing on it a little bit. Um, what happens if we deliberately disobey the, no, the known will of God? We know what to do and we choose not to do it. This is what basically uh, at the end of, of verse 17 is all about. Him that knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him it's sin. So, so Val, I like this, what, I, what I've read here was, uh, so he, he, he took a spin on it a little bit and talked about arrogance and what the uh, what, what arrogance is. And he said, basically, it, it, the final sentence was, it's arrogant not to believe in your heart and confess with your lips. Uh, arrogance is I can, I can save myself, I can do it without God. Uh, yeah, I kind of like that way of thinking about this. It's good. I think it's interesting that um, I think that uh, many times 
we ignore the will of God. Don't don't necessarily because um, he says if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it. So let's say you have the opportunity to donate money to something. Um, for example, if you uh, were discussing the team and in, in the church in Nigeria and and they need help with something and you put it out there to, uh, you know, throw in five, ten bucks or whatever to donate to them. And you think about it, you're like, yeah, that's a worthy cause. You know, you know, I would do it. I'd like to do it. But but maybe you don't. Right. Maybe you don't do it. Um, James says it is sin for them. That's right. So the, my point is, is that how often we face those opportunities daily and, and many times we ignore them. Mm-hmm. Don't even think for one second we're in sin. Mm. Don't even consider the sin aspect of that. Yeah, you are, you are hitting a nail on, uh, it's directly on the head of the problem. Uh, now, what is the diagnosis of uh, to know here? What is the what? I didn't understand the word. Gnosis, to know, to know. Ah, to know. You know, because it implies, I think, we put each one of us in the spot that as a child of God, you know. Yeah, there are certain things, there are certain things that have been revealed. Right. There have been certain, there, you know, as an example, let's just take one. Thou shall not kill. Oh, wow. If you kill, are you sinning? Yeah. If you know it's wrong to kill, but you, you choose to murder somebody, it's it's a sin. If you choose to be disobedient in coveting or worshiping other gods, which, by the way, can take the form of all sorts of things today, right? doesn't have to be just an idol of of uh, wood or or clay or stone or or metal it, it well it could be it could be a car it could be a house it could be you know a boat or whatever if that comes before god it's a sin to him and those who do good we're told to worship god and not to worship other things or other people and yet we choose to worship them we are in direct disobedience we said god says i want you to know the scriptures but we don't know the scriptures. God says for us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but we do forsake the assembling of ourselves together. There are things and that we already know. Yeah. Yeah. And when we choose to dis- to directly disobey what and, and not do what we know we should do, God says, real simple, it's sin. Now that's a that's a that's a word that, that in today's society doesn't go over very well. People don't like that word. No. I don't want to be told that I'm a sinner. I don't want to be told that what I did was wrong. I'd rather say it was a mistake, an oversight, something I forgot. But God strips all that away and just calls it what it really is, sin. I don't have to like it. A lot of times I don't. I don't like getting reminded of my sins. By the way, did... Does God, does God chasten his his children? Does he correct us? Absolutely, all you know, the I, time. 
So all if, the time. If, if you don't ever experience the correcting hand of God, what does that say most likely? You're ignoring it. The day of death. You, you are. You very possibly might not even be a believer. If you don't, if he never corrects you, if he never chastens you, that's what that's what uh, Hebrews uh, twelve says. Remember, we, we we studied Hebrews twelve. Some of us. This is the whole book of Jonah. Well, the whole book of Jonah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I also think though that part of God's master plan. I come back to that again. Is that you know he doesn't. Necessary. I mean, I do believe he does. There's times when he does that, but I think more often than not, in the master plan, there's consequences to bad choices, right? Yeah, there's yeah. built there's built in consequences to bad choices, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you know God is uh, chastising us as much of as in His plan when when we don't make good choices or we do bad things or when we sin. There's consequences that come from that naturally built into this master plan of his yeah so, so basically what you're saying is that some of us we want to sow seeds of corruption and then pray that they don't germinate <laughs> <laughs> kind of sometimes yeah because whatever we sow we know we're also going to reap right so yeah that's a, that's a pro so there are some natural consequences. Be obedient and certain things happen. Be disobedient and certain things are going to happen. It's kind of the Always. law that God's written, a natural law that God's written. And so often when we think, when we get forgiven, does that mean there are no consequences, that God wipes out the consequences? Absolutely not. Oh, really? You mean I can't get away with it? Well, what good is the God that, did, that forgives me, but I still have to take the punishment? That doesn't seem right, does it? That's Asking part of the lesson, friend, by the way. We've we've reached the end of our time, and we we will um, we'll pick this up on Thursday with some some additional questions. But uh, for those of you who have. Uh, uh, been here all this time. Thank you very much for putting up with this. I hope it was a, a beneficial time. We're going to stop the recording so 